February is not only Black History Month, but it also means it's time for the MTW series in Newark. And joining us on the WBGO Journal are three very special people who are here to talk about the 42nd annual Marion Thompson Wright Lecture Series coming up Saturday, February 19th, including some other events leading up to the big virtual event. Jack Chen is the inaugural Clement A. Price Professor of Public History and Humanities at Rutgers University, Newark, and the director of the Clement A. Price Institute on Ethnicity, Culture, and the Modern Experience. He's been in that position since 2018. Salamisha Tillett, the Henry Rutgers Professor of African American Studies and Creative Writing, the founding director of the New Arts Justice Initiative, and the associate director of the Clement Price Institute. And also our special guest is acclaimed author and historian, Graham Russell Gal Hodges, who is the author and editor of the new book, The Marion Thompson Wright Reader. He's also a professor of history and Africana and Latin American studies at Colgate University. Great to have you all on the WBGO Journal. Thank you. Great nice to see you again. Be here. It's wonderful to have all of you. Let's start with you, Jack. Uh, thanks for joining us again. It's always great to see you. Tell us about the theme this year. You know, the theme is always interesting to me and always has significance. And this year it's play and performance. And it's also part of a new series, the Black Portraiture series. Tell us about play and performance. I'm really happy to be here. It's great to see you, Doug. And as uh, Clement Price would say, um, the it's that time of year, the third Saturday of every February of every year, uh, people gather for this tradition. This is the 42nd year, so it's really quite remarkable for such a long-standing series to be continuing and flourishing. And uh, I should just say that um, the the theme and the exhibits um, that we're featuring this year are really building on the work of our dear esteemed uh, colleague, photographer, uh, curator, uh, Deb Willis, uh, who was a former colleague at NYU uh, and uh, who, who kind of really formulated with Mancha Diawara and also Skip Gates, this concept of black portraiture. So this is an exhibit that has, um, has been circulating. And I'm really happy to say that uh, Salamisha Tillett then picked it up and then has added two exhibitions to this and also formulated uh, a three-day program culminating on the Saturday. Uh, so play and performance is really something that is um, really keying into something fundamental to um, all peoples um, that, uh, that uh, really is, is really about um, really how our imaginations as young people are kind of free. But then as we get older and as we encounter more uh, of the crazy experiences um, of life, um, you know, our children now are going through um, COVID lockdown and that's their, that's their experience. So as, the, as people are encountering the harshness of life, the racism, the violence, then in many ways that imagination is knocked out of them. Um, but uh, here we wanted to make sure that uh, in some ways there's a moment now for us to kind of lighten up a little bit and, and to focus on uh, play and performance. But Salamisha is the one who really is responsible for pulling all this together. So perhaps uh, Salamisha can talk more about it. Wonderful to see you, Salamisha, again. And, you know, it's very exciting. You always have great speakers at MTW. And, you know, this year is no exception, including the incredible violinist Regina Carter, 
who, you know, is just near and dear to WBGO's heart. She's been at the radio station many times. What a performer, but we have a powerful lineup, and you're the reason why, because you bring these people in, and uh, they are always so interesting to hear from. Give us a quick synopsis of the speakers and uh, what they'll be talking about. Yeah, I guess just to add to what Jack was saying, you know, in African-American culture and Afro-diasporic traditions, play is both always a kind of deeply political act, whether it's carnival in Trinidad and Tobago or in Brazil or Jonquanu in in the Bahamas or Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And so we really wanted to embrace that the the idea of play being a a place of performance, a play of subversion, uh, it's oftentimes used against people of color, right? Whether either it's, you know, segregated swimming pools that people don't have access to or pantomime and minstrelsy. So we wanted to really cover the range of what is embodied in that word play, uh, both as a a practice of liberation and also to recognize the ways in which it's been used against black people historically here in the United States and throughout the globe. And so, yeah, I think the lineup is really exciting. So you have something as broad as playing performance and, and who fits under that or what kind of artists speak to that. And so as you, you noted, we have the amazing Grammy nominated uh, violinist, Regina Carter, uh, Tyler Mitchell, who's a photographer uh, best known uh, for being the first African-American Uh, to have his work on the cover of Vogue and the youngest photographer to have his work on the cover of Vogue. Um, And he really deals with things of utopia and and freedom and leisure. Um, Bisa Butler, who is a, I always say she's like a a New Jersey hero and a really well-known visual artist who's been doing beautiful quilt making and portraiture work. And then of course we have Dominique Marceau, who many people will be uh, familiar with uh, her, her, her work, The Temptations, just left Broadway, and now she has a new um, show on Broadway, Skeleton Crew, starring Felicia Rashad. So it's a really, really dynamic, interdisciplinary, um, cross-generational uh, lineup, and I'm really excited that we're going to have it here in the city of Newark. Graham Hodges has written so many powerful books, and the newest work is the Marion Thompson Wright Reader. And it includes a number of things. I wanted to get your impression of what would she be thinking about in 2022, hearing that there's a conference in her name, and this year's theme would be play and performance. I think Marion Thompson Wright would be delighted as much as she could be. She had a lot of personal issues, but I think that she she's absolutely appreciated Black culture. She lived in it. She uh, studied it, wrote about it. Her, it was all about her life. Uh, and so uh, the terrific lineup that Selamisha just described, I think would be things that she would really want to take part in, to be there. The fact that it was and her name, she would say, about time. But as Jack said, it's been going in now for 42 years. So, uh, you know, she's well recognized uh, for, for this. And uh, I think it's great. We talk about it every year, Jack, that when Dr. Price and Giles Wright came up with this idea of having this special series. Even as it was going, they would have no idea the impact that it would have worldwide. And especially when we talk about worldwide is because this lecture series is online for anybody to take part in this year. And that's a special thing. Tell us about the fact that it is online and how we've had to adjust with the Marion Thompson Wright lecture series, but yet it opens it up to so many more. Well, there's there's nothing to replace in-person gatherings, and and uh, so much of the beauty of 
Marion Thompson Wright is the is is the is the growing audience of people returning. Um, just a couple of years ago, when we were meeting still in person, I was asking how many people had been at the very first MTWs, and a number of people raised their hands, and then more and more as the uh, years went on. Um, and it's really a way for people to uh, see each other, to to kind of recreate the community that has been building and building over um, these many decades, uh, which has had a tremendous impact on the city of Newark, but also what Clem would call greater Newark in terms of the kind of ramifying effects of these historically informed uh, lectures that would give people a sense of, um, of, of the struggles and ways in which a new black culture was being created um, that really resonated, I think, with the, with the struggles of the city from the 80s onwards. Uh, so um, having it online now, of course, makes it more widely available, even when things return to possibly being in person again, hopefully soon, that um, we will probably continue this tradition to just make it more broadly available. I think the, the amazing speakers we have every year uh, really deserves that broader audience and people can begin to see some of the excitement of what's being generated out of the city of Newark. There's two more events that are happening right before Saturday. Can you talk about Thursday and Friday's event real quick? Yeah, well, I've also recently um, uh, been appointed the director of Express Newark, uh, which is the Center for Socially Engaged Art and Design, which is based in the Haynes Building right across from you, Doug. Um, yeah, so we have this conference that that Jack talked about um, uh, that's happening on the Friday and the Thursday and Friday. We have uh, an opening of the exhibition called Picturing Black Girlhood, Moments of Possibility in Express Newark. And it's a 50,000 square foot space. We're using all three floors and we're featuring um, black women and girl and genderqueer artists. Uh, photographers and filmmakers in conversation with each other for the first time uh, on the theme of Black girlhood. And so you have people like Carrie Mae Weems and Latoya Ruber Frazier uh, next to underage or under 18 year old artists. Uh, most of the artists in the show actually are youth artists. So it's a really beautiful meditation on what it means to be a Black girl across time in the United States and throughout the world. And then our community partner, Project for Empty Space at 800 Broad Street is um, hosting the solo exhibition of Shahrazad Tillett, who was a artist in residence at Express North Shine's portrait studio in New Arch Justice for the last two years. This is a culmination of her practice here in the city of Newark, as well as her work in Chicago and Trinidad and Tobago on black girls, particularly on these moments of community celebration, whether it's carnival or whether whether it's the prom or whether it's just a young girl living through the pandemic um, and how do her, fa her family's um, sustain her through this moment. So it's really, you have a very intimate um, examination and exploration of black girlhood and then you have a very immersive one uh, simultaneously happening. And so when we had this theme of play and performance, it seemed nice to meditate on, on girlhood and childhood as part of that. Graham Hodges, you know, when we hear about scholars and you are one of those and you uh, have dealt into history, I, I personally uh, love history and I love to hear what everyone has to offer. It's done so well at the Marion Thompson Wright Lecture Series. And tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the challenge of, of being a, a scholar and trying to put it in layman's terms so everybody can understand really all the research that goes in that all of you have done through the years in your works. 
so we can get it, right? So we can get it because you obviously get it, but writing books, you have to make sure your, your readers get it as well. What's the challenge there? Well, I think the Marion Thompson Wright Lectureship Series uh, offers a great opportunity for professional historians to work with the public. Uh, that starts in the first one in 1982 of Sterling Stuckey, who was a wonderful scholar. And there have been many terrific historians who have come to talk and uh, about Black history uh, at the lectureship series. So I, I think the grounding is absolutely there. Um, learning about her was rather a task. Uh, I first found out about her when I did a book uh, on Black New Jersey a number of years ago. Uh, and it seemed to me that she was so fascinating that so people had really not talked about who she was, that it was important to do so. Uh, and so I had to look far and uh, wide to do uh, to find materials. I got very lucky because, you know, the Internet allows you to ferret out who people are to locate uh, a descendant of hers who lived in California. Uh, and we got to talk at the telephone. And she told me that Marion Thompson writes papers and book collection were in a storage unit in Northern California had been there for about 25 years. So they're just sitting there. Uh, and eventually those things were transferred to Pepperdine University uh, where they're in a big archive there. But I mean, that's the kind of thing you have to do. And I, I don't think that my, what I do is terribly different from what many public historians, genealogists do, which is to take those leads and go for them and see where they, where, where they, uh, where you wind up. Uh, and I, I found myself pretty lucky on that. And I think also the internet helps us out a lot because we can find so many things online. I was able to find out through genealogy.com, for example, where her family came in Virginia, where her sisters wound up. And so this allows, allowed me, and I present that in the book, uh, which is, this is it right here, by the way, uh, to um, really illuminate her life, her private life, and also to present in this book some of the best of her uh, voluminous writings. Uh, and I will also give Rutgers University credit, Press a lot of credit. They did a terrific job of transcribing 1940s font into uh, modern, very legible uh, 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 book material. And I, I'm really proud of this book. And uh, you can see this picture of her. She was the first black woman to get a a PhD in the discipline of history, which she did at Columbia University in 1940. 1940 the book was published in 1941. And that is a, a photo of her that was taken by Scurlock Studios, the very famous Black-owned photography studio in Washington that was basically everybody went there to have their photos done. And so she's very, very proud of that. It's a beautiful picture and I, I think a terrific book. I just want to mention very briefly that... Um, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of her birth. Uh, it's uh, September 13th, uh, 1902. So uh, in t about uh, eight months, uh, she'll be 100 years old. Hmm. A beautiful cover of the Marion Thompson Wright Reader. And there it is. Uh, very powerful. Sends a lot of messages, right? Pictures tell yeah. a lot of words. And we've been talking about that with, you know, portraitures and, and things like that. Jack, one of the things that we've always loved about MTW is the audience is diverse. And of course, being online, even more diverse than ever, where can people see the MTW? Uh, well, if um, once you log on to, once you go on to the um, Price Institute website, uh, you'll be able to find how you can register and get online. Um, and uh, also just to build on what Graham was saying earlier, 
is that uh, the challenge of finding the uh, what historians call the archives uh, has really opened up a great deal. And that's really part of what is so exciting about doing history work now because uh, people's uh, home photographs, um, the, the kinds of uh, representations that are embodied by the artists uh, who are working at different times. So the exhibitions um, that are kind of really exemplifying the feelings and the and issues of the time and, and they're really embodying the artwork, they're also part of that memory making and meaning making. And for historians, I think we've kind of opened up, we've had to open up in terms of what we're looking for and how we're gonna find it. Because in the traditional archives that are dominated by the ways in which history has been constructed in the past have never been adequate. So that's part of what's exciting, I think about, um, you know, Marion Thompson Wright and her work, her, her, the work that she did herself was so pioneering, but also about the tradition of the Marion Thompson Wright lectures is that it, it exemplifies the opening up of the archives and what's looked upon and what's considered valuable and important. Um, so, uh, so photographs, people's feelings, all of that is so much a part of um, really the culture making um, and the memory making that is now part of a more engaged, active history making. That's no longer strictly about the work of the historians and the experts, but much more uh, about uh, people really making their own histories and really documenting those stories themselves. That's a great uh, point because a lot of times we we hear about, well, what did your history book say about various incidents and what really happened and what has been left out? Salamisha, you probably know, I, I like to ask this type of question, but Marion Thompson Wright walks into the room. She's she's there with all your books behind you. What do you want to ask her? Oh my gosh, I don't know. That's a heavy question. I was looking at the table of contents um, for Graham's book, and I was um, so excited to read it. So congratulations on this really important work oh in the world. And you know, just her review of materials and the her her engagement with culture. So that's actually what I was kind of fascinated by too. Not only. Um, was she such a prolific uh, scholar in terms of education? And, and she was also doing cultural criticism, which is also what, you know, what I do. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess probably would want to talk to her about the literature and the books that she was reading and the fiction and how that inspired her, how she related that to her, her ideas about social policy and education reform and things like that. So kind of broader questions, but um, I think she's, she's such a fascinating person. Um, and so ahead of her time, obviously. So I think, you know, how did she exist and, 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 and what did she wish for the next generation, I guess, which is what she dedicated her life to, so. And if the two of you could go out to lunch, I'd like to just pull up a seat and just listen <laughs> okay. to what you two would, would have to talk about. Graham, you edited this, you had a long biography in this, you included all her works. Can you give us a real brief synopsis of the Marion Thompson Wright reader that we've been talking about? It is so important that people find out about this woman who this lecture series was named after and her legacy lives on. And now even more, this, her works were out of print for many years. And now you've republished these and, and, and given your interpretation. So tell us a little bit about it. Uh, fine. Very quickly, I want to mention that Marion Thompson Wright was, a, was born in East Orange, East Orange. She is a native of New York. She went to Newark High School, which is now Barringer High School. And back to your question before, 
one of the biggest thrill was going to their little historical society and seeing her high school grades uh, and her high school activities. Um, the book itself is composed of my 75, 80 page biographical introduction, followed by the full text of uh, the education of Negroes in New Jersey, which is still very readable, relevant. It's something that's, you know, you can learn a great deal from it. It has not really been surpassed, followed by her uh, essays in the Journal of Negro History on New Jersey laws and New Jersey voting and Black people. Uh, also, she's a big integrationist. So her article in the Journal of Negro Education, where she was the book review editor for about 20 years, uh, there's an article in there about uh, integration in New Jersey, uh, followed by her book reviews, a couple of them, and also her notes. And these are really interesting things because they're like review essays that she did several times a year. And I did a selection of them. I, you know, we couldn't put everything in there or else the book would have been a thousand pages or so. Uh, but these are nice selections of things that she did about not just major books, but also kind, all kinds of little uh, conference proceedings, uh, pamphlets that were put out by uh, black scholars around the country. She really brought them to light. And I think it's really fascinating. And then the last thing is the uh, encyclopedia entry on Lucy Diggs Slow, uh, the Dean of Students at, uh, Dean of Women's Students at Howard, uh, who was a very uh, charismatic uh, and important figure in black education in the first part of the 20th century. And finally, there is a full bibliography of her works. There's a lot of personal photos in there too of her at her home in Montclair, uh, of uh, her daughter and her son. Her son, by the way, was a big black studies guy in the, uh, from the 60s through the 80s. So uh, it's, it's a real full family and academic book. I was just curious, at Colgate, does MTW come up? Does, do, you, do you talk about her to, with students? And you've been so involved in this work. Do you about Mary Thompson, right? Yeah, do you bring it oh, up? Oh yeah, to well, students? actually, I gave you know that's really interesting. I gave a talk a couple of years ago about it. I mean, we have these kind of campus talks, uh, and the dean Tracy Hux, who is a, a woman of color, asked me. She said, "Have, have you thought about Zora Neale Hurston at all?" And I said, "Well, no, I haven't." But you know, Hurston was at Howard, having shaved ten years off her age to enter as a first-year student. And uh, Dean Oliver Wendell Holmes, uh, who was there, looked at her and kind of said, I know who you are, but you're here now, so make the most of it. Marion Thompson Wright came to Howard as not people not knowing that she had been married, that she had two children. And that's part of the sad story of her life. She had to hide that for the next 40 years. Uh, and it really was crippling for her. Uh, but I mean, both of these women sort of passed in a way, if you will, from or dissembled from what the, what they really were. And both of them, of course, succeeded in, in, in incredible ways. Jack Jen, as person who's been in charge of this Marion Thompson Wright lecture series since uh, 2018, you're doing a fabulous job. You and Salamatia really should be congratulated on keeping this legacy going. There's always been a connection to jazz, right? And we heard about Regina Carter and uh, obviously, that's important to us here at WBGO, but what else would you like to mention about the series that we haven't touched upon? Well, the series always celebrates. Uh, it begins, of course, as everybody who's attended with Lift Every Voice and as a, as a Black national anthem. And every year we have a different performer. Um, so music has been hardwired into the celebration of this, this, this event, this annual event. 
And um, we also uh, always make sure that that uh, uh, music is what punctuates um, the the reception as well. Um, so uh, so so the the culture is is always uh, very much uh, about not just talk, uh, but and not just um, uh, just a, a deep sense of history, but also a deep sense of the living culture that is is continuing on and. Um, you know, I'm just so happy that BGO has been a partner in this because it really, I think, further embodies that kind of connection that we have to the city of Newark and that keeping that tradition alive. And of course, we've got Clem's Place and the great job that Wayne Winborn has been doing uh, in, in keeping Clem's memory alive, but also creating a place, for the city that uh, keeps the tradition of jazz performance alive as well. Salamisha, I'm going to have you have the last word here when it comes to the Marion Thompson Wright Lecture Series. Those who have never attended, what do you want to say to them on what they're missing? Oh, it's such a wonderful gathering, whether it's virtual or in person. I mean, it's just conceived by Clem to be this moment where scholarship and community come together. And so it's also a lot of fun. Um, And I'm excited this year, Uh, we're having conversations, we're breaking a little bit away from the traditional lecture to have dynamic conversations between two people. And so I think we're just going to be lucky to be privy to the dynamism between artists and scholars and and activists. And also um, over here, uh, really profound artists talk about their work and share it with the rest of us. So I just think I'm really excited, you know, if I weren't organizing it, I would be really excited to attend it. Salamisha Tillett. Jack Chen, and author, editor, acclaimed historian, Graham Hodges. All three of you, what an honor to have you here on the WBGO Journal to keep us informed about the 42nd Marion Thompson Wright Lecture Series, Saturday, February 19th. And don't forget, the two days before, there are events being held as well. Thanks to all of you for joining us.